This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 7, Episode 38. This is Writing Excuses, Writing Love Scenes with Shauna Germain. Fifteen minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Howard. And uh, Shauna, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Shauna Germain. I've been writing erotica since 2001 when I submitted my first story and realized that I could get paid to write about sex. Uh, I've, done, I've published in two, uh, 350 anthologies, collections, uh, novellas, poetry, just a little bit of everything. Um, and my newest book is Bound by Lust, which is a collection of BDSM erotica. All right. Um, and we are going to do our best, listeners, to keep this to a PG-13, still clean rating. Um, we'll see how we do. And because I'm a prude, Mary's going to, <laughs> going to be leading this one, um, though I'll try to throw out questions here and there. So Mary, yeah. we'll just let you take over. Well, this, this, uh, the reason we invited Shauna on is that we had a listener who asked how to write love scenes. Mm -hmm. And we all kind of went, <laughs> <laughs> um, That's exactly how you write a love scene. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, shortest podcast ever. Okay. <laughs> um, so we thought that we would get someone in who really knows how to... Uh, to deal with this topic. So one of the first questions that, that I run into when I'm trying to decide whether or not to include a love scene is, is how do you decide when to, to have that happen? As often as possible. No. <laughs> um, so, so my theory and, and the way that I write is that everything that I put on the page have to, has to do at least one and ideally three things. And those things are entertain the reader, move the story forward, and show character. Mm -hmm. And so for me, a sex scene has to do all of those things as well. And so if I feel like, oh, there's, there needs to be a sex scene here, and a lot of times what you'll get is an editor saying, um, this is a great story, but could we have some more sex? And the answer is often no, right? Because you can't just throw in a sex scene because then it just feels like somebody has stuffed a sex scene in there. And so I, I ask myself, does it show character? Does it move the story forward? And does it entertain the reader? The last one always being yes, right, because it's sex. <laughs> but the other two are definitely harder to make sure that they fit. No, that's an excellent response because um, looking at the romance genre as a whole, I think that's the, like, the criticism level at it, right? Mm -hmm. The sex scenes are just stuffed in there. Just like in fantasy that I write, the, um, the criticism level less is, oh, you can just solve anything with magic so there's no tension. It's one of those kind of, you know, that yes, the, the, it's a poor job when you do that. You yep. can do that, but that's a poor job. And I, I really like hearing this because I, I think maybe that's what people aren't seeing in the romance genre um, is that there is a right way to do this and a wrong way to do it. We had a guest on the cast back in uh, season two or three, mm -hmm. I think, uh, who had who pitched a story to an editor um, of you know a romance right. line, and the editor said, "Yeah, this is good. This is this is a great story. Now, in order to punch this up, we need to put sex in every other chapter." And and she looked at it and she says, "Well, um, this chapter, this isn't really going to work. Oh, uh, you know what? Uh, you know, it can just be you know people in the bushes as the wagon goes by." Um, <gasps> yeah, it was a real it was a real head scratcher for us as we thought, "Oh." Well, apparently for this editor and this line, that trumps story. Yeah, that seems so unappealing. Exactly. Um, well, and that's, that's one of the things that, um, that Sean and I were talking about this a little bit before, that, that one of the things that makes something interesting and, and builds character in erotic is, is, the, uh, is the context in which it's in. Like in my, um, in my books, I've got, you know, 
I'm writing in 1815, and so they almost kiss. And, um, <laughs> and, but, and that's racy. Yeah, and mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. You know, the, that, that moment of, of tension and conflict is actually much more interesting. When I was, um, here, here's a secret, uh, which is not. Um, when I was in college, I was an art major, and I, I would model nude for the art department, and the most difficult part was the taking off of the robe because it was the transition from one state to the other. And, and I think with, with love scenes, that state of tension between the two places is one of the things that is most interesting for the reader. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, you can build a whole collection or a whole novel about the tension because that's a really interesting part is before anything starts to happen, um, and, and in a lot of ways, it's actually easier to write the tension because we live in a society that's this weird combination of a very prudish and very open, right? And so writing sex that's interesting is really, the, the actual sex act is very difficult because we see it all the time. All you have to do is go to anywhere online and it's everywhere. And so how do you make that interesting when people can see all, sort of everything that's out there all the time? And for me, a lot of the way that you make it interesting is by creating these characters that have this sort of sexual tension that they can't really act on for whatever reason and that they don't yet know how to do or what to do with it and it changes their lives. And so for me, that, that pre-thing before the actual sex act happens is, is part of the rising tension of, of a plot. And, and, I think that's actually even more important than the second. So part. the fact that in like a first person or excuse me a third person limited setting, uh, the fact that you can get into the headspace of a character makes uh, written erotica much more powerful than just internet porn because you're in the head, you're in the thoughts, you're having, you're sharing in that experience. Well, you know the thing I've, I've constantly said there are things that visual mediums can do very well. Like I usually talk about action sequences this way. But there are things that the written word can do that no, um, no film can do. Um, and I always encourage writers, look at the things that books can do and focus your efforts there. Um, don't just try and do you know, the action sequence the same way it would be done in a Jackie Chan movie. Do it the way that a book can do it better. And I think mm -hmm. we're approaching the same thing here. Yeah, yeah that's great. So how do, you, um, how do you write a sex scene that is not silly? Because this is, <laughs> because, you know, there are certain aspects of it in real life that are, if you step back and think about it, inherently funny. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, which is not usually what you're going for. Sometimes it is. I mean, Sometimes I'm, it I'm is. totally for sex scenes that are funny because I'm actually editing a collection called Geek Love right now, and some it's all geek erotica. And some of the stories that we're getting are so fantastically funny because they're these great moments. And um, and so I, I'm actually really a fan of that because I do think we take sexuality really seriously, um, and a little bit of laughter in the bedroom is not a bad thing. Um, but on the other but, hand, but intentional laughter. Intention, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Good point. Let me rephrase that. That was nice, nervous. <laughs> that was nice, nervous laughter from the audience. Um, but when you, I think it really comes back to that idea of character and creating these characters. And one of the things that people often say when they read my work is. I don't know if I'm supposed to be, if I'm supposed to cry my eyes out or be turned on, right? And that's because a lot of times what I do is I put my characters in these very real situations where they're struggling with something, right? Whether it's self-confidence, whether it's expressing their desires or communicating their desires. Um, I have a lot of, of sexual stories out there about people going through things like cancer and how do you, how are you able to be erotic when you're struggling with something like cancer? Mm -hmm. And so for me, um, it, the sexuality comes from that internal 
thing that's happening with the characters and the way that they come together. And so it, a lot of it is, is driven because they drive the language and they drive the actions. And because then the reader is in a completely different space, and they're not just like sex, 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 they're in this headspace of a character, that humor kind of washes itself out kind of naturally, I think. Yeah, I think it's a lot of what you're saying are, are things that apply to any other, yep. anything mm -hmm. else. Like I'm, I'm listening to you, I'm like, oh, it's, it's about the details yep. mm -hmm. that the character notices. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that I will see sometimes uh, with men who are writing women um, is that the women are, are looking at the wrong things. Yes. You know, when that they are, you know, because we all, notice specific and and different details and and that that to me seems like that's one of the right and it's especially important for some reason in in the erotic genre because one of the things that happens is that people get really mad at you for writing things that are outside your 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 own life right so i i write a lot of gay erotica I write a lot of um, you know, things that people are like, oh, you can't write about that. You're, you're not that age, or you haven't had that experience. Um, and, and it's the same thing. It's the details, right? I don't need to have that experience because this is my character. And this is the thing that the character looks at, and the things that the character is turned on by, and the things that he's afraid of sexually. And so by being able to be into that character, it, it allows me to write any kind of sex. And then it also allows the reader to sort of move into that world as well. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's go ahead and stop for the book of the week. Um, the book of the week is One Hot Summer. Will you tell us about this? Sure. So uh, Audible just signed on Susie Bright, who's a great writer, uh, editor, and um, longtime sex activist, to be their editor at large, which means that she's going out and, and gathering things she finds really interesting. And she just picked up my novella, um, which is called um, Safe Haven, and it's part of One Hot Summer, which is a collection of three novellas. All right. And Howard, how can they get that? Head out to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. You can start a 30-day free trial membership and grab yourself a copy of One Hot Summer. Um, get that read to you and pick up another book for, I think, half off. Unfortunately, Mary's not going to be reading it in her romance novel voice. Sorry, guys. <laughs> and for the listeners at home, yes, you missed out. We didn't <laughs> actually include that audio in this episode because... Apple wouldn't let us. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you need to come to the live shows. Um, so, so why don't we start getting into some specifics? Okay, go for it. So, do you have any specific suggestions on, say, starting a sex scene? Like the transition? Oh, right. The transition is tough because all of a sudden you have these characters who've had this thing sort of happening that's often unspoken, and then all of a sudden they have to start getting naked and doing things. And that's a really hard transition. Um, and there's lots of ways to do it. And again, I, I go back to driving it by the character. Mm. So if the character is shy, they're not going to just be like, rah, let's take everything off. And um, so, so I drive it by the character. I see what the character would do. Um, and then I kind of take it from there. So some people are much more f quickly get into those kinds of scenes than other people. Um, and sometimes there's a, a driving force behind it. 
uh, like time or you know if so if somebody is is sneaking off to do something then there's a time thing so if you're concerned about how to move into that um, I would say walk into it slowly and then know that you're going to cut all of that stuff okay. and when I teach erotica that happens a lot people start they kind of warm up to it and sidle up to it like they're going to jump on this shy horse and then um, and then all of a sudden they really start so I, I, I say just start writing and then know you're going to cut out those first four or five paragraphs at least okay that's, uh, that's very good. Actually, I do that with a lot of scenes. Um, you know, particularly the beginnings of books, writing myself into a character. Um, one question I have is, uh, do you use any kind of specific foreshadowing to be like, hey, this is coming. Oh, no, it's not. Oh, yes, it is. Or, you know, is that, that teasing a very big part of this? Absolutely. And with any other fiction, I think things like, like objects are very, very, very important. And that's a great way to ground a sex scene. Mm -hmm. um, because when you read some sex scenes, and we call these stroke, and they're, they're the things that where you get the woman and you get the size of every body part, and, and you know, and it's very insert tab A into slot B, and it, you know, Plumbing. And there's nothing it's wrong with plumbing. that. It's all plumbing. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a to it totally has its purpose. But when we're talking about telling stories, right, that's a very different thing. Um, and I think in that case, it's really important to use objects, just like what you would in any fiction. So things like clothing and glasses and the things that characters notice about each other, I use those kinds of things a lot for foreshadowing. So if you, if you notice um, a piece of clothing or an object that's in the room or those kinds of things, they start becoming part of that foreshadowing for me, absolutely. A good question. I was like, what's question. your follow-up? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so we've gotten through the transition, and now, now they are engaged, <laughs> trying to keep Maybe. the <laughs> yeah, trying to maintain the clean radius. Like right, a dance scene. here. It's really interesting. <laughs> watching Mary. This is why I let her take charge. I'm just sitting over here gleefully watching her try to talk around things. Yeah, there, there have been, for those of you not benefiting from the, uh, the video, from the video feed that doesn't, that doesn't exist, uh, I've been watching Brandon break out into smirks <laughs> about every 45 seconds. This is, this is pretty entertaining. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to get that faster. <laughs> um, so so we've, we've gotten through the transition into the actual act. Um, what are things that, like one of the, the things that, because I am not... Um, writing erotic, I'm, I'm writing scenes, although it, clearly there are erotic elements, but, um, but I find that the less that I show, the more effective it is for the type of fiction that I'm writing and, and the audiences that I'm writing for. When, when you're writing erotica, how much are you expected to show and, and how do you make that choice about which, and I realize you're going to say character again, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a broken record. Um, um, but, but if you can talk about, about kind of uh, how you make those choices somewhat based on audience as well as, as story. Right, so for me, um, I think it, it comes down to that, the camera lens of what we're seeing, right? So when you write fiction, you focus specifically on the things that you want the reader to look at. And that's really, really true of a sex scene. So, and, and it's like the monster with the zipper, right? You don't want to show too much because then it does sort of go into funny or weird. Um, and so you really want to focus on whatever that character is focusing on. And you want to say, like, what is, what is it that about this particular character that really makes him or her think that that other character is so hot? And you really want to focus in on those, whether it's eyes or something that they do or something that they say. And so that gives you a lot of options, right? Some, some characters are really dialogue-driven, and they want to hear everything 
articulated about the sexuality, and others are really physical, and some are all about scent, and some are all about touch. So it's a great opportunity to use the five senses and to mm. see what which one really appeals to your characters in which way. And so I actually think the more narrowly focused you can get, the sexier it is, because you're getting into these tiny details of our bodies and of the acts that really are the things that you can't get with a sort of porn scene where it's kind of the same shot over and over of sort of a backed up thing. And so, yeah, narrow is definitely better in that way. Oh, interesting. I, uh, question with, with regard to pacing. In the past on the, on the podcast, we've talked about, um, well, we, we've talked about try-fail cycles. Um, we've also talked about scene-sequel format, um, where the scene is where the story is advanced, things are happening, and sequel uh, is a you know is a relaxation of, of tension. Um, where do you fit? Uh, where do you? How do you apply those principles when you're writing erotica? Actually, it's the perfect principle, right? Because you have this rising tension, which is attraction and arousal and increased, right? Like, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Is it, am I going to get rejected? And then, of course, you have the climax, literally and figuratively, of the story. And then you have the denouement or the afterglow. So it's it actually follows. The, the story arc absolutely perfectly. Um, and so for something like um, a short story, you can have one of those, you can have many of those, you can increase the length of the rising tension, um, you can have sort of all those little things where, uh, you know, I want to try this, okay, and then, you know, no, we're not going to, and so you can do these lovely little hills and valleys. Of, it's, it's actually kind of a perfect mirror, even in language, of, of how to build a story arc. Well, we're I, I think we are we are out of time. Yes, we probably have to get this. But you probably heard from the last one. I forced people to do uh, writing prompts. Ah, uh, yes. Do you have a writing prompt <laughs> you can give to our sure? Listeners? I I totally do. Okay, so one of the things that often happens with my beginning erotica writers is they they start writing all this tension, and then when the sex scene comes, the characters go different ways, right? Because it's the same as when you start writing conflict, and the conflict arrives, and you push the characters out of the room. So I say, put your characters in a place they can't escape. This is an elevator, a hot tub, I don't care where. And then keep them there. As long as you can, using all of the five senses, don't let them out of that little tiny space. All right. This has been Writing Excuses. You have excuses. Now go write. Thank you very much. Thanks for having yeah. me. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.